Good morning, everyone. Um, it's good to see you all here this morning. Um, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you've probably heard and you know that churches all over Ireland are taking part in a nationwide campaign called What's the Story? It's a project that listens to really tough issues and problems that ordinary, everyday people face. Um, it deals with heavy questions such as, is there hope in the face of death? Does my life have purpose or can we make sense of suffering and pain? Um, the subject of this week's story is, um, is there any hope after death? Now, death is a very heavy topic and with good reason. It's deeply personal. All of us know and will know the sorrow and heartbreak of losing those we love, uh, the pain of grief, of how completely wrong it feels for life to end and be taken away from us, of the feelings of emptiness and depression that it leaves in its wake. Um, and all of us too will one day die. I mean, death really is as personal as it gets. Even speaking and hearing about it can bring back strong emotions and feelings. Um, I was four when I came to fully understand death and the horror of it. Uh, for me, my world ended. I knew I would die. I understood that. But it felt far worse to understand that everybody I loved um, would be taken from me. Uh, even the animals and birds that I felt joy from and they now filled me with sadness and pity and a dread of losing them and the world became a very bleak place a very bleak harsh reality but it was reality um, for most of my life I could never shake that fear or the sorrow that came with it and it came to pass that many of my family and my friends died and while I was young and I remember it was too much for me to bear and it broke me uh, I hated death like I really hated it and I raged against it outwardly I did everything I could to fight it I wouldn't even walk on the grass because I didn't want to kill an insect you know, spiders I had to put them out I just, I hated it but it was a lost cause it was inevitable um, and I couldn't understand how everybody around me seemed to be able to ignore it and just go about their daily business as if it didn't exist you know, as if it wasn't a thing it was a subject never spoken about unless it really had to be and always brushed under the carpet whenever possible and never dealt with it was only as I got older that I understood why people ran from it it was too painful and too frightening but as a child I couldn't ignore that great big elephant in the room um, that nobody seemed to talk about. I couldn't ignore the dread that grew ever closer as time went by. So as a kid, I too asked the question, is there hope after death? A question that I imagine everybody at some point in their lives asks. Um, the topic of death is it's a subject society avoids and even runs from, yet so much of our way of living is dedicated to the preservation of life and to make everything safer, to avoid death. And we have hospitals and surgeons, firefighters, police, um, paramedics, vaccines, seatbelts, health and safety rules that go on by the million. I mean, the list goes on forever. We do all we can to avoid that. Uh, we don't want it. And if we as a people recoil so much at the idea of death, and even run from it as we often do, 
Um, if we resist it and do all we can to fight against it and to survive, does that not testify to our knowing how wrong it is? Um, knowing how this is not how it's supposed to be. And it's not how it's supposed to be. Uh, the Bible tells us we were created to live in relationship with God and be at peace in this world. It was to be a world without death, a world without suffering, where we experienced the goodness of God. So what happened? In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve chose to listen to the voice of evil, and they did this by eating the forbidden fruit that God had warned them never to touch or eat. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it, or you will die. You will, certain, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And they went for it. Uh, my non-Christian friends used to wind me up, and they used to try and say all that fuss over an apple, you know. But they couldn't have misunderstood it more if they tried. It wasn't, it wasn't an off-limit snack. It wasn't hunger for food that drove them. It was a different hunger. Um, that little phrase in verse 4, you will be like God, is key. Uh, this was rebellion against God. This was their attempt to make themselves like God. Uh, to make themselves God over their own lives. And they listened to the voice of the evil one. And they just stopped trusting. And then they reached out their hand. And it wasn't to take a fruit, but to take God's place. And to make themselves God. And here's the thing. When God is the source of all good in the universe. And when God is the source of all life in the universe. And you reject his sovereignty, reject his place in your life. All that's left is death. Eternal separation from God and all that's good. And we have another word for that. That's hell. So death entered this world. Spiritual death first, which is separation from God. And then later physical. Uh, so no, this is not how it was supposed to be. And if we're in danger of shaking our heads and pointing our fingers at Adam and Eve, um, we should remember that we know good and evil. And every day we sin. And we turn our back on God and reject him. But thankfully there is someone who hates death and the suffering it brings to his creation more than we do. Someone who is deeply involved and concerned with our personal suffering. And it's God. And he couldn't stand by and allow death to have its final say. He loves us too much. And his plan of salvation for us, his solution and the full measure of his love is seen in Jesus, the son he sent to save us. Jesus brings us hope in the face of death. And today we'll be reading Luke 7, 11 to 17, the widow of Nain. And I'm just going to read it. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and the large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. 
the only son of his mother, or his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. So soon afterwards he went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. By this time in Jesus' ministry he was well established. He'd been performing miracles and he proclaimed the kingdom of God to towns all over. And the twelve had already been chosen and a large crowd had already followed Jesus and accompanied them this day. And this time it was back to Galilee, back to a town called Nain, where they met another large crowd, a funeral. And as he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his only mother's son. Um, she was a widow and with her was a large crowd from the town. Now this verse, short as it is, tells us a very sad story. A widow who had already lost her husband now loses her only son. Um, her beloved child, a child who would have been her only means of support and the one who looked after her. A large crowd of mourners were with her. And this shows us that the town people felt deeply for her. I mean, they knew how tragic this was. And I was thinking over this, trying to visualize the two crowds coming together and the murmur of noise as Jesus' followers headed towards the town. Um, yeah, on one side, I mean, there's the noise of life, there's the noise of people talking, there's, and then on the other, there's the funeral and it was quiet and solemn and people mourned and that was the sound and it was like two opposite worlds colliding and one where death had won and I was thinking I just it must have felt like death had won that day when the Lord saw her he was moved with compassion um, Yeah, when the Lord saw her he was moved with compassion for her and said to her do not cry and I imagine everyone except Jesus and the widow, it probably sounded outrageous to um, telling someone not to cry at a funeral. But Jesus was visibly moved with compassion and love for her. And I wonder, did he also see in a shadow, a shadow of things to come, uh, where one day his own mother would grieve for her son? And I wonder, did the widow look at Jesus with eyes of sorrow, eyes that said, nothing can be done. Death is the end. Uh, my son is gone. Uh, verse 14 then he came forward and touched the bearer and the bearer stopped and he said young man I say to you rise the dead man sat up and began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother and fear seized all of them and they glorified God saying a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people only God has power over life and death and the people here recognized that no wonder they were afraid. Um, Jesus had just faced the scourge and doom of mankind and has shown power over it. And I also wonder who got the biggest shock that day. Uh, the son sitting up and looking around him at his own funeral. Or those carrying him. Well, hopefully they didn't drop him out of fright. But uh, 
But then there's the mother and Jesus. Imagine the joy of Jesus presenting her son back to her, uh, turning those tears of grief into tears of joy. Jesus has the power to overcome death, to make right all that's wrong with this world. And in the last line, verse 17, it says, Word about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and all the surrounding region. And you'd have to think it did, all right. Um, That's to have power over life and death. Um, I'd really love to think that these two crowds that met that day became one big crowd, one in celebration and joy and praise for God but the Bible doesn't tell us that but what it does tell us is that Jesus is the answer to the question is there hope in the face of death we're going to watch a short video now from Lynn and it's a very powerful video a very powerful testimony hope in the face of death is, is exactly what Jesus gives from Dundalk in County Louth and I live in North County Dublin with my husband Peter and four of our six children and we lead a pretty busy life. Peter is working in the food and farming business and we're both very involved in our local church and of course then with a large family it makes for a pretty busy life. So our eldest daughter was born in 2002 uh, just three and a half years after we got married and we went on to have another daughter and four sons. Timothy burst into our lives on the 16th of August, 2014, and he was a very special little guy. It became clear in the first week of life that there were some issues. He was born with a cleft of his soft palate, and and in the months that followed, um, he was not meeting his developmental milestones and so he had what you would call global developmental delay and, and other, other issues. Uh, so essentially he had both physical and intellectual disability. Life was pretty hectic and Timothy had a lot of needs. There were usually a lot of needs around feeding and there were times in his life where he had uh, nasal gastric tubes, so through his nose and down into his tummy and he required surgery for his cleft palate and he had growth hormone issues. He was he was very small for his age. He actually um he kind of eventually dropped down the centiles into the off the scale at the lower end for weight, but his head was off the scale at the at the upper end. And he was extremely cute and I yes often ask God how did he make him so gorgeous? He was a, a beautiful little boy. Um, and and adored by us all. Uh, but yeah, life was busy with appointments and therapies. He was under so many disciplines. He had scheduled hospital visits. He had emergency hospital visits. And um, so he, he had a lot of challenges and, and life was extremely busy for all of us. And um, I guess, especially for myself and Peter. Uh, just before Timothy's third birthday we were on holiday in Kenmare and um, 
and he had his first seizure. And that required a couple of emergency trips to Cork University Hospital. And yeah, Timothy developed uh, quite a severe epilepsy, medically refractory epilepsy, which means that his seizures never came under control uh, with medicines. Timothy passed away on the 10th of July, uh, 2020. He died of sudden unexpected death and epilepsy um, at night time. So actually I had gone to bed really late that night and Timothy shared our bedroom, myself and Peter's bedroom because of his seizures and just for his own safety. And um, I found him that night and he had, he had passed away. That week, our, our eldest daughter had moved abroad to Paris and I was enjoying time with our, our teenagers and uh, bedtime came and I went up with a usual array tray of things to um, give to me some food and medicines and when I went to find to Timothy he he was in bed and very still <laughs> Um, I couldn't hear anything. I, I opened his bed. He had a, protect, a safety bed um, because of his seizures. And I knew instantly that, that Timothy was gone and such that, so much so that I just, CPR didn't even enter my head because he wasn't just gone. He was gone, gone. And it was obviously a great shock. And... I went straight downstairs to tell Peter who came up and I probably can't remember the full detail and we obviously phoned emergency services and they they talked with Peter and we wanted we just decided to obviously our teenagers were up we told them we woke our two younger boys because we felt that Timothy was going to be taken away and we just wanted, we wanted them to see him and yeah, you know, and um, my mother-in-law lives across the road and we also woke her up and, and she came over and yeah, I got into the bed beside Timothy and I, I lay beside him and we, we talked with the family and yeah, it was um, obviously a huge shock. It wasn't something we expected and um, and yet with Timmy's complicated medical history in one sense the unexpected could have happened at any time but he certainly didn't have any known life limiting condition and um, he didn't have a complete medical diagnosis in a lot of things we were just treating symptoms or dealing with symptoms but he didn't really have any particular condition that that had a name and um, so yeah that night was quite something a lot of people <laughs> came through the house and so the paramedics first and then a, a doctor and can I even remember the guards were here of course and just all the personnel were were lovely they were very kind and obviously they were moved too and they see these hard things in life as well
fully believe that the Bible is God's word and all that's in it is true. So as Christians, we know that those who know Jesus will go to be with him. And Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. And we've no doubt that Timmy is with Jesus in paradise. And there's so many other things. I guess our experience in living as Christians and knowing God and getting to know him is that he is always 100% reliable and what he says <laughs> is completely true and and we just know that this life isn't all that there is that there's eternal life and that all who know Jesus will go to be with him in heaven um, one day we were so we are so confident um, about that for Timothy and um, it's an amazing comfort to know that he is really well and it would seem strange in a sense to have peace at a, at a time like that and, and really I can only say that it was just that peace that God gives um, in the devastating loss of losing Timmy we also knew straight away that he was with God he was with Jesus in heaven and that just completely, well, more than counterbalanced the loss. I, I guess we were able to remind ourselves of that reality, but of course, while still facing this huge shock and loss at the same time. And a real hope in that time of losing Timmy was completely in knowing God and knowing who he is, knowing his nature, knowing that he has prepared a place for those who love him, uh, to be with him. And we knew that Timothy was with the Lord. Um, he, was, he was with God. And in that initial loss and even going forward, uh, really our hope is because of Jesus. Um, life has that way of throwing curveballs at us and... I just know there is no storm or no difficulty too difficult for Jesus and the peace that he gives and brings and the hope that he gives and brings is, is incredible. It's a very powerful story. Um, you could feel it. When you listen to her. Um, but what I want to finish on is this. Um, debt is devastating. It's overwhelming. It fills us with fear and grief and sorrow. And it's our reality. But it's not the end. And it's only part of our reality. Our reality as Christians is that our hope lies in Jesus. He's the only hope for this world. The only hope for all of us. Matthew 12 in his name the nations will put their hope and this is simply the gospel that we preach that through his death on the cross Jesus the son of God paid for our sin his death for our eternal life he made a way back for us this is the gift of God for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of God not as a result of works so that no one may boast God offer, God's offer of salvation is for everyone who would receive it. Uh, for everyone who would trust that Jesus is who he said he is. Um, that when we repent he forgives us our sins forever. 
and adopts us into his family as children of God. First John, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. And at that very moment of trust in him, we have moved from death to eternal life. From eternal separation back to eternal relationship with God. And Jesus becomes Lord of our lives. And if you've never heard the gospel before, and eternal life sounds too good to be true, then I agree with you. It does sound too good to be true. And if it brings you to the place of questioning and asking, how do we know it's even true? Well, that's better again. Because our faith in Jesus is built on evidence. And we welcome a chance to share with you and answer questions. If you want to hear more. So, I really hope God has spoken to you today through his word and through Lynn's testimony. Uh, We all need daily reminders of who Jesus is. And that because of him as Christians, death won't have the last word in our lives. Reminders that though we are often afraid and we live in a reality where we don't actually have to be. Uh, Jesus loves us and he saved us. This is our reality and our hope for this world. And I pray God will help us enter into that and live it out more and more as we share this good news with those around us. And I really hope God has spoken to you through that today. And let's pray before we finish. Lord, thank you for your word that helps us to get to know who you are and all you've done. Thank you that even though we're sinners, through your blood and your life sacrifice for us, you made a way for us to come home, to be together with you once more, and to help, just please help us to trust in you and not to rebel as we do, and to live the life that you called us to. Amen.